This is the Sports Report with AJ Harrison, episode seven for Tuesday, November 9th, twenty ten. The Sports Report is brought to you by the Times Delphic. Follow Drake Athletics, published every Monday and Thursday, and online at timesdelphic.com. And by 94 and the Dog, broadcasting football, volleyball, and basketball games live to the campus community. Sports Report tonight. It is a Tuesday night here in the studio in Olmstead. I'm AJ Harrison in studio with me tonight. Ryan Niedert, Michael Porterfield, and Drake men's basketball player Creighton Woods is joining us tonight. Creighton, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Doing pretty good as we're going to discuss, open up the show tonight with some college basketball. So with us, uh, Redshirt Junior, I believe, correct? Yep. Creighton Woods. You've kind of had an interesting journey uh, getting here to Drake. I guess, could you tell our listeners about that journey you've had? Uh, yeah, like you said, it's been a real interesting journey. Uh, I went to school in, I guess, the, the greater Philadelphia area, and uh, I was committed to go to Villanova, and uh, I decommitted from there. And one day I uh, was working out in front of some college coaches, and Coach Phelps happened to be there. At the time, he was working with uh, Arizona State, and, you know, he told me to come on over and take a visit to Arizona State. So, obviously, I loved it. You know, lots of sunshine out there. He's a great guy. And, um, yeah, played two years over there. Coach Phelps came over here and, you know, is currently coaching the Bulldogs. And, I uh, decided to leave ASU and went to a school in New York called Binghamton. And uh, they had a pretty interesting year last year. A lot of, uh, I guess, uh, rough rough turns for them. So I had decided to leave. The NCAA granted me a waiver to leave and play right away here at Drake. And now here I am. Guys, it's a pretty interesting story. I mean... I mean, there's a few other transfers on the team. Uh, Jordan Clark, I believe, transferred from uh, University of Vermont. Also, I believe uh, Kurt Alexander transferred from, uh, like, Iowa Lakes Community College. But, I mean, not a lot of people have been as at many as many stops as you've been at. I guess, how do you like Drake so far? Uh, Drake's great. Uh, real nice people. It's a small kind of campus uh, compared to the other schools I've been at. And um, it's, it's real nice, you know. It's a real change of pace. I've never really been out in Iowa before or the Midwest for that matter. So, you know, I'm enjoying it and I love it love it a lot so far. I guess um, this Drake team this year enters with some high hopes. Um, a lot of good transfers coming in like yourself this year. Also, uh, it's the second year in a row that Coach Mark Phelps has had the best recruiting class in the MVC. I guess, can you tell us a little about the team this year so far? Uh, yeah, you know, like you said, uh, ESPN ranked the last two recruiting classes, you know, best in the MVC. So, you know, I mean, with that, you know, it's a young team, you know, not a lot of experience on our roster. We have one senior, Ryan Weedle, and, um, you know, it's it's, it's supposed it's going to be a real exciting year. You know, we have a lot of good players. We showed, like, a lot of... Uh, you know, a lot of things this past weekend when we scrimmaged, and, um, you know, we should be all right. We have a lot, a lot of young talent, so hopefully we can put it all together and, you know, get some wins, wins this year. You talked earlier about how uh, Coach Phelps originally recruited you to 
Arizona State, and then when he came to Drake, he was kind of able to get you to come here. I guess, um, what draws you to Coach Mark Phelps? I guess, it's like, what's your favorite attribute about Coach? Coach, he's a he's a real funny guy, a real you know player coach. I guess you can say you know he's strict and he's stern, but you know at the same time you know he's he's a guy you know he he'll put his arm around you when you need him to you know. So he's a, he's a great guy. So you know uh, you know after my situation in uh in Binghamton just didn't seem like it was going to work out. You know I gave him a call and he said you know of course I, I got a spot for you. So I'm happy to be here. So Coach Phelps this year is looking to change up the team, and he says you know, playing the man, man-to-man defense suits this team better. Why do you think that's true? Uh, I think uh, um, just following the team from previous years, I think this team is uh, a little bit more athletic. We, we are a pretty deep team, so, you know, we can sub guys in and out to, you know, keep up a pressure man-to-man defense. So yeah, I think uh, with those factors, you know, it's, it's probably best that we play man to, you know, have a lot of defensive stops. I guess, where do you see yourself uh, fitting into this Drake team? I, looking at the website right now, you're listed as 6'9", so that kind of puts you kind of like a 4 slash 5, I believe. Um, I guess, where do you see yourself fitting in? Um, yeah, just like you said, uh, you know, just helping out the team and, uh, you know, low post scoring and rebounding and, you know, on the defensive end in the post, hopefully I give the team a little bit, you know, like I said, we're a pretty young team with a lot of young talent, so hopefully I give the team a little bit more experience uh, in the front court and uh you know we have some real solid players you know everybody's favorite player seth van deese and you know jordan clark jordan had a real monster game in the scrimmage this past weekend so you know hopefully i can uh, help those guys out and you know pick it up on that end and being new to drake and the mvc do you have any you know game on the schedule that you're kind of looking forward to at all or just you know <laughs> see how it goes uh yeah kind of just seeing how it goes um you know i'm just really excited to to play i think uh the program uh, coach phelps is trying to build here is you know a good one got, got a lot of great guys on the team and i think uh you know, just excited for the first game, really. I'm just trying to – got a little injury, a little nicked up, so I'm really, you know, just trying to be there for the first game. I guess, you know, looking ahead to this season, what do you think we can expect from this Bulldog team? I mean, just looking ahead at the schedule, talked about um, how last weekend uh, they played an exhibition game against Wisconsin Parkside, and they won that pretty handedly, 82-46. to This weekend you guys have Texas Southern and a big game on everybody's schedule, I think. Next Wednesday night, uh, Drake travels up to play Iowa State. I know Ryan and I will have the chance to call that right here on 94 One the Dog. I guess, what are you looking for this season? Um, well, I, I guess what you what the fans could expect is a team that's going to go out and compete every night. Like, practices have, have been real competitive. Guys are really getting after it. Like I said, you know, we have a really deep team with a lot of guys, you know, eager to play and expect to play this year, real talented. And um, the fans could just really expect a team that's going to go out and compete every, night in and night out. I guess that's the biggest thing that fans could want. I mean, you always want to have a competitive team on the floor. I guess, do you have any uh, favorite stories you'd like to share with us about maybe Mark Phelps or the team? (laughs) 
Oh man, I don't, I don't really have any, any stories really. Uh, Coach Phelps is just a funny guy. He's, he's real funny. You always see him on his cell phone, always messing around, texting people and calling people, and you know he's a, he's just a real good guy. And it's a great group of guys on the team too. You know, from all over the country, and you know, even uh, we have a couple guys from you know foreign countries. So it's a great, uh, great group, and you know we're all excited for this year. Who has the best nickname on the team so far? Best nickname? Oh, man, I don't know. Uh, they call Carl Madison uh, a freshman this year uh, from Illinois. They call him Mighty Mouse. Um, I don't know. Everybody everybody calls by initials or, uh, like, you know, are their first, first letter and last name. <laughs> so I guess Mighty Mouse would probably be the, the best nickname on the team. So you don't have one at all? Uh, most of the the guys and the coaches call me K Woods. You know, like I said, they go by initials and stuff like that. So, yeah, no. Hopefully, I, I can get some highlights, and then you guys can make up some nicknames for me. <laughs> I know uh, when we had uh, Frank Feisler Fisler on earlier this year. I mean, he referred or. I think he kind of brought up that uh, Ryan Wheels referred to as the grandpa. Does he have, like, a nickname? Or like... <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, everybody always kind of teases Ryan about how old he is. He's a, a fifth-year senior on our team, probably has the most experience. And, uh, you know, always, he's, a, he's a team captain. He's always trying to get guys doing the right thing, you know. So I guess I, I could see how people would call him grandpa. But he's, he's a smart player. He plays real hard. You know, he's not the biggest guy in the world. But, you know, he gives 110 every time so yep are you looking forward to the trip this year to alaska oh yeah that, that's going to be great a lot of good competition over there uh after we get past our first game hopefully we can win it and we'll probably play um st john's a you know pretty solid team out of the big east and then if we can get past that you know we'll play a hey, arizona state you know a lot of got a lot of friends on that team and they're expecting to do you know big things this year hopefully trying to win the pac-10 out there so it'll be a great test for us you know um I'm not sure how many tournaments Drake have done has done like that, but you know it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, off the court and outside of basketball, what's your favorite thing about Drake? The people, definitely the people. Everybody here is uh, real helpful and you know nice. Trying to like the professors and just people that live around the area, and it's so it's so nice. Like I mean, coming from the East Coast, you don't really get too many uh, you know people walking by you waving and you know saying good morning that you never met before in your life. So you know it's a nice change of pace. I, I like the just like the feel of the Midwest. Okay, uh, thank you very much, Kay Woods, for joining us in studio. Always nice kind of getting a different perspective. I mean, you know, we can analyze the basketball team all we want to, but it's always nice to get a player's perspective on uh, how things are going. Uh, if you want to catch the basketball team in action, you'll have two chances to do it in the next uh, week or so. Uh, here on 94 One, the Dog will be broadcasting the game against Texas Southern. That game's Saturday night at 7.05. And then Ryan and I will be traveling up to Iowa State next Wednesday as the Drake Bulldogs face off against the Cyclones. That game will start at 7.07 p.m. You can hear both those games right here at 941 The Dog or on our website at 941thedog.com. We're going to take a quick break here on the Sports Report. Coming up next, we're going to look at the college football weekend. You've been listening to the Sports Report right here on 941 The Dog.
the Sports Report right here on 94.1 The Dog. I'm A.J. Harrison in studio with me tonight. Brian Nieder and Michael Porterfield as now we're going to discuss the college, some action from the college football world. Just going to touch on this briefly. The Drake first Dayton game this past weekend ended up, the ending of it was the t- made the top 10 on Saturday. It was the number 10 play. And for the weekend, it was the number six play. However, the play didn't really work out in the Bulldogs' favor as the quarterback for Dayton, Valentino, threw a 37-yard touchdown pass with one second left in the game to help the Dayton Flyers defeat the Bulldogs. So you don't usually see Drake uh, make it on ESPN, especially football. So, I mean, I guess any publicity is good publicity, right? Well, I mean, if I remember right, the last two times we were on ESPN, it would have been the Evansville buzzer beaters. I believe I believe there was another one in there time we were made it on top ten plays. Yeah, I mean, just seems like Drake, my three years we've been here, or that I've been here, it just seems like last-second shot after last-second shot. I remember one of the first games I did, I'm trying to think who it was against. I remember I called the game with Matt Shattuck, who was just by our window a few minutes ago, and Drake lost, I think it was Stephen F. Austin, on a last-second shot. Then later that year, called another game. I believe it was with Greg Woods this time, the Evansville game, where Kalen Woods, I believe that's Williams. 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 I guess Woods kind of got mixed up with Greg Woods. Um, or on Woods. Or, yeah, one of the many Woods is that we've talked about recently. Uh, he hit that uh, buzzer beater. And then last year, another different Denver Evansville. Holmes. Denver Holmes. Oh, brings back so many bad memories. And then there was the 2008 game in the NCAA but game. We against... are going to talk about that. Yeah. That still. Yeah. But no, uh, Drake was playing Dayton Dayton in that game. Dayton is 9-1 and and 7-0 in the conference. He's talking to one of the full players and about the emotions that are going through. They, you know, they just kicked the field goal to take that one-point advantage. And he was like, oh, we got this. We got this. We're good. A few plays later, then they have that last play on the 37-yard line. And it they scored, and it was just a terrible, terrible feeling for them on the sidelines. Yeah, definitely a heartbreaker. I mean, I would have put uh, Drake at uh, probably second place in, overall in the PFL, wouldn't it? Um, um, it would have been a tie for, tie for second. Tie yeah. for second, I believe. But it would have spoiled Dayton's uh, championship hopes. Definitely. I'm looking over here at uh, Ryan's computer, and uh, the ESPN video that's showing in the background is the uh, the Texas, Texas Texas Tech game from a couple years ago um, where Michael Crabtree caught that last second touchdown to break out. Really reminds me a lot of that. I don't know why. I remember that as the game that I started liking Michael Crabtree, but don't know why. But anyways, moving on uh, from the PFL to the Big Ten. Iowa kind of had their run for the money this weekend. Wins the win. That's all I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> it was not, ugly. It was ugly. It doesn't matter, as Ryan said, it doesn't matter how ugly a win is. Win is a win, but I hope people in Iowa realize this. That Indiana should have won that game. I know should have wins don't count in. Wins a win. Win is a win. I just feel bad for that wide receiver. That's what oh, I'm going to say. He feels terrible, but uh, Iowa fans feel, feel great. He feels awful. But, I mean, that's basically the wrap-up of the Iowa-Indiana game. I mean, And Nebraska, as you were going to comment, a win's a win. Yes, but 
I want to talk about this Iowa State-Nebraska game. I mean, I believe it was... I believe the rivalry went on 105 years, and it will end this year as Nebraska will head off to the Big Ten. But, I mean, I loved what Paul Rhodes did in overtime, going for going for the win. I know you didn't like the play call. You thought, you thought they should just line up for two. Well, I mean, I've been telling... I know Michael and I watched a lot of football that day, but I was telling everyone in overtime, lots of overtime games, like the Michigan game, go, go for it, two, just go, go for, for it. it, get it over. Just yell into the TV. Don't, don't, especially if you're the underdog, don't wait them out, and you know, you know something's going to happen. But if you're going to go for two, get your best option on the field to go for two, and that's your offense. Yeah, when you're when your punters, I believe a punter, right, throwing the football, it was more kind of like a duck in the air. And it just died. I've seen Michael throw was, a lot better than that. He was wide open. I mean, yeah. But nah, he wasn't. He wasn't that open. But he was wide open right at the beginning. If you look at it, there was no one there. I don't think Austin Arnod could have made that pass if he was in there. Because I think, you know, that's what that's what you're thinking as a field goal unit in Nebraska is can't give up a fake here. You know, we'll let them we'll let them take the the one point. point and move on. We cannot get beat on two. So that's what I just. I it's, thought he had a shot of just taking it in himself. Oh, yeah. If he would have just ran it in, I mean. Either that, even plus he had the kicker Mahoney, you know, running out like they could have optioned it in. And I know some people have been saying, you know, why didn't you put your, you know, fourth or fifth string quarterback in? Too it's, obvious. I don't really think it would be that obvious, though. I mean, you know. Maybe if you preface the play a little by, you know, having him hold one other time during the game. But I feel like, you know, I don't know. I feel like if you're going to do that fake, you should have at least a quarterback in or at least a punter that can throw a ball. But, I mean, I like I like how he went for two. I feel like, I mean, it kind of shows how Iowa State, you know, football, I mean, yeah, they're the underdogs, but if they beat Colorado this weekend, I believe, again, for the second straight year, they're bowl eligible, which they should beat Colorado as they just fired their coach yesterday, so they'll have an interim head coach. But, I mean, I really like the call by Paul Rhodes to go for two. I mean, might have not been the best execution, but, I mean, I'll give them an A for effort. Yeah, Iowa State, they're a pretty good team this year. I mean, I... I think the Iowa score was 35-7. to 7. I wasn't sure what happened with that. I expected a better fight from them in that football game. But then we, we see with Iowa sometimes, you know, they look like they should not be close to any opponent. But then they look like they play against Indiana, and you don't know. I think, I think we also need to look at this and, like, look at Nebraska, who has been – who was taken to overtime by Iowa State, who – who is who is a good football team, but it's not like an elite football team, and they they lost to Texas, who who was just bad this year. They got thrashed by K State this weekend, um, and I, I think I think this really hurts Nebraska. Their chances that even though they're eight and one, they're, they're kind of looking for that. You know, maybe if they run it out, some some miracle happens, getting to national championship BCS ball game, but these. You know, these two games, I think this really hurts them in the voters' eyes. I I can see that as well. Granted, though, in that Iowa State game, I don't think Taylor Martinez was playing, correct? I do not think so, no. I think so, this is a backup. 
So, I mean, you know, still, I, yeah, still I put up a lot of points. I guess the, not the Nebraska the standard league. points for what they've been doing this year. No. But another somewhat uh, close game this week. University of Wisconsin at Purdue. Wisconsin was down in the first half. I was worried, not going to lie, you know. Out of these next four games, they all kind of worry me as, you know, I guess any college football fan, you know, any four games that people say are winnable always kind of give you the shivers. But Wisconsin came back in the second half. Somewhat of bad news, though. I just saw this. John Clay, I'd say one of the best running backs for the Badgers, good old J.C., um, he is questionable for this week's game against Indiana. So, yeah, he didn't uh, play that second half, I believe. They went with uh, sprained right Monty Ball. Monty Ball and White. Is that the two guys? I don't even know what White's health is after. I think he got nicked up during the Iowa game, and he hasn't really played a whole lot since. I mean, I feel like Bielma's kind of resting him a little. You know, and Monty Ball is actually a really good running back. I mean, he kind of helped back up last year John Clay as well. But, I mean, Monty Ball looked pretty yeah, good White against didn't, Purdue. White didn't get any carries. It was on Monty Ball. But it's a little uh, worrying, though. 27 yards, two touchdowns. Yeah. Averaging six yards carry, not, not a whole lot to complain about there. I mean... Yeah, you, you. I mean, they were probably a little scary in the first half being down, but they came back and they got a, a decent win at 34-13. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't think it's a big loss for well, Prescott. Unless John Clay doesn't play, that hurts him. Yeah, that's, that's bad. I think if John Clay doesn't play, that will hurt Does them. Indiana pull the upset? Uh, uh. Hey, they're looking at, No, Indiana should not have been that football game. <laughs> Yeah, I, and doesn't uh, Iowa have their favorite opponent this weekend? Oh, yeah, Northwestern's going to be great. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, so, so I was losing. But that, Adam uh, Robinson is back for the yeah, Hawks. I, and I, was, I did feel like. <laughs> it always happens. Uh, you mentioned that Milam <clears throat> might have rested Clay. I think, you know, be safe with Robinson and that concussion. I think that's why he didn't play. Oh, um, and it's at Northwestern. That's even worse. And, and, and Marcus Coker did a nice job, but I feel like. He's a true freshman, kind of felt like he ran like he was in high school, and he tried to run through people, and that didn't work against, it's not going to work in the Big Ten, and it didn't work mm-hmm. against Indiana. Unless you're John Clay, he can run over people. He, yeah, he, he's yeah, John he, he does run, He does run over people, I'll give him that one, but... You have to be a, the right back in the Big Ten to run over people. You aren't going to have... A John Clay is an exception, he's like... Well, 280 pounds. John like Clay, six six. John Clay doesn't run at people run over. He kind of takes them to the sides at least. Like Coker was running directly into, wasn't trying to make a cut at all. I mean, he's just going straight for him. But okay. No, Ryan was angry. Ryan was angry. <laughs> I, I can just imagine you watching this. But another running back that loved running into people, Ron Dane. But again, kind of the John Clay exception because I mean, Ron Dane, like John Clay. It's like a bowling ball once you get them rolling. So are you saying it's not going to work out for John Clay in the NFL? Probably. Considering you look at all the great running backs University of Wisconsin has had at their school, none of them have really panned out in the NFL. I mean, Michael Bennett was supposed to be great in the NFL. Didn't happen. Where's he at now? 
I don't. I think he was. It, he was with the Chiefs for a little. He's while, with the he? Raiders, I think. The Raiders. I mean, oh. Ron, I don't. I don't think the Ron Raiders. Dane's in the league. Uh, Brian Calhoun was in the league. I think he got drafted by the Lions. I don't know what happened with him. P.J. Hill skipped his senior year to go to the NFL, and he didn't get drafted. Not a very smart choice by him. But moving on to a quarterback that might not be making the greatest choices this past few years. Big controversy erupted on Thursday. I know I was driving home this weekend, and a caller called in to uh, 1460 KXNO saying Cam Newton... Uh, his dad might have accepted money to go play at Auburn and or for Cam to play at Auburn. And, you know, they kind of dismissed the phone call. And I guess 20 minutes later, it just erupted that, you know, there's allegations. And now some have erupted in the past 24 hours that if Cam Newton stayed at Florida, he would have gotten expelled for cheating three times on tests. So, I mean, what do you guys make of the Cam Newton situation? Um, either Cam Newton has been making the, the best choices or someone's out to get him. Um, because the, the situation is very interesting because right after Auburn beat Mississippi State, this is where they came out. And this, this, this matchmaker or person that they, they are saying that gave the $200,000 to Cam Newton's father is a Mississippi State grad. And he's, all, he's denying allegations saying that this didn't happen. Um, I also I've never heard of a matchmaker before. I, I feel like that position's very illegal. It would be Probably. very illegal. Probably. And yeah. the amount of money they were asked or the matchmaker was apparently asking for was two hundred thousand. I mean, that's a lot for, you know, to be asking for one player's services, I think. I mean But I it's just I think this is gonna hurt Cam Newton's Heisman hopes, even if he doesn't get suspended. I feel like you know this kind of leaves a black eye on him, and especially in the voters' minds. I mean, Reggie Bush just gave back his Heisman for you know some of the things he did. I feel like, I mean, I heard something today that probably the two uh, front runners for the Heisman, like Cam Newton, and the running back for Oregon, that I'm blanking at his name, uh, Michael James. He also had some issues this off season, so I mean the Heisman race this year is kind of interesting because it'll be inter- like I'm curious to see if the voters kind of look at some of the character issues along with the stats. Well, I know who's a really good character. That's Ricky Stanzi. Maybe he'll sneak in there. God, he's having a phenomenal year in passer efficiency. Uh, yeah. Just uh, a great okay. year All in right. passer efficiency. Okay, you, you get your Ricky Stanzi. He's only, I think, he's only thrown I think like three we, interceptions think, this year. Everyone needs to congratulate Joe Pa on his 400th win. This is an unprecedented achievement in college football history. I think it's about time. I mean, yeah. Come on. But with that, congratulations to Joe Powell. We're going to take a quick break here on the Sports Report. Coming up next, we're going to look at some of the big stories in the NFL. Here, look at the change in Big D. Also, look at some of the games from this past week. I know Michael's really excited to talk about the Chiefs Raiders. So. Oh, boy. And we'll also wrap up the show tonight discussing some fantasy football. I know Ryan will like to rub in his victory against me this week. And we'll end the show with our pick six. You have been listening to the Sports Report right here on 94.1 The Dog. Welcome back. 
Welcome back to the Sports Report right here on 94.1 The Dog. I'm A.J. Harrison. With me tonight, Ryan Eudert, Michael Porterfield, as we discuss the National Football League and one of the biggest stories of the week, Wade Phillips is done in Dallas. So kind of, I guess this isn't a huge shock for anybody that follows the NFL, especially after watching the Packers demolish them or demolish the Cowboys on Sunday night. I know... Dallas has kind of had to deal with some injuries. I mean, it really hurts not having your starting quarterback in Tony Romo. But I guess, were you guys shocked that Jerry Jones let go of a coach during the middle of the season? No. And I'm not, I'm not going to yell at him for, like, eating his words and saying, I wasn't going to terminate the coach. I'm going to stay with Wade Phillips. This, it's, they, Dallas is not good, and they no, need to Dallas make changes. They're bad. I mean, at least it sends some sort of message to the team saying, this is unacceptable. This play is unacceptable. There are are problems on that team that stem from, I mean, from the top to the bottom. There's problems with the players. You know, they're not playing hard. There's, There's problems with the coaching staff. I mean, you know, Wade probably wasn't the right choice out there. And then... You know, even you, you, Jerry Jones, I think Jerry Jones needs, needs to take a look at himself. We've been hearing this all week. He's just, he's he brought this team together. He assembled this team. This is this is his team. This is the team they were predicting they were going to be playing a Super Bowl at home this year. And it's just not, Needy's over here laughing. Sorry, I forgot they're uh, Super Bowl at home. They're Super Bowl at home this year. This is just, it's just not. I think Jerry Jones needs to take a look at what kind of football team he wants to have there in Dallas. Does he want a team full of stars and drama queens and um, guys that aren't going to play hard and aren't really committed to the game? You know, what kind of co- it's going to take it. If he's going to have that kind of team, he's going to need a coach in there that's going to be able to control that team, like a Bill Parcells or a Jimmy Johnson. Um, you Wade Phillips, he was a players coach. The players loved him, but they didn't play very hard. So oh. now, and it, he, they just gave him a two-year contract extension. And, you know, now Jerry Jones really must be eating his words because, you know, he got his first playoff win, but now we're now we're one and seven. You know, they're doing great. Okay. Michael, you kind of consider yourself a Cowboys fan, right? Yeah, I do. Okay. Do you think Jason Garrett is a legitimate option to replace him? I know he's the interim head coach at the moment, but do you think... Uh, do you think he's uh, that by the end of the year that they'll remove the interim tag off his title? You know, I'm not really sure. I, I kind of want to see how he does this sh- with this year. Um, but Jason Garrett, um, he's a, uh, I don't know. Jerry Jones brought him in, and they were like, Jerry Jones brought him in to coach that team. He was supposed to be the coach. Wade was, it was like a couple years of Wade, and then it was Jason Garrett's team. Um, but if I don't know if Jason Garrett doesn't fit that mold that, that you know they're looking for, then he's not the right guy. But I'm assuming that since Jerry Jones brought him in to be the future head coach, that they're going to remove that tag and they're going to give him a shot. But Jason Garrett's been there so long. What's he going to do different? Especially with that offense that is just so, so bad. Exactly. Jason Garrett can't seem to make up his mind. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know who's going to, I don't know if he's going to continue calling plays or what's going to go on. But half the time, you know, they run the ball or, you know, and then the other half the time they'll pass the ball 60 times a game. It just, 
it doesn't really make sense to me what they're trying to accomplish on offense. Well, I mean, t- last year when they were successful, they were running the ball. A pretty balanced offense would be successful, I you, would say. You would think. But, like, you know, last year when they were really successful when, at the end of the season and made the playoffs, um, they were running the ball a lot. Um, and then mixing in some, you know, getting that play action working and stuff. And um, that that's what seemed to work for them. And then they've kind of gotten away from that year, that this year, especially, you know, with Tony Romo going out. And then when John Kitten is leading your team, it's not not the most the best option at quarterback. I honestly don't think Jer- Jason Garrett will be back. I mean, I feel like, as you talked about, you know, I think you brought up earlier how Wade Phillips is kind of that player's coach, right? Exactly. I feel like Jason Garrett's too, or is too much of a player's coach. I mean, just, you know, from what we've learned about him. I kind of question Jason Garrett as well. I mean, if you look back a few years, I believe he got offered the Baltimore job and he turned it down, which I thought that was not a great move. And then... If you think about it, he probably, I believe he interviewed for the Atlanta job. He probably should have gotten that job as well, but he didn't. I mean, I just just don't know how great of a leader Jason Garrett is. And you just look at the pieces that are in Dallas on that offense. I mean, even, I mean, okay, even with John Kitna, I mean, you have, you know. There's a lot of talent, but there are, if you look at, other team, I mean, other top teams in the NFC right now, like the Giants and the Falcons, there and the Packers, there are more talent on those teams. They're more, they're more talented teams. If you look at it, and I know we were all predicting that Dallas was going to put something together this year, the way they finished last season, and they brought some different pieces in and whatnot. But I mean, they're not an overly exceptionally talented team and they're just not a team that works very hard and works together well. Now shifting from one underperforming team to another one in the NFC Minnesota Vikings were able to come off with a victory this weekend against the Cardinals. They were down I think 14 points late in the fourth but Brett Favre was able to rally the troops and come out of the dome with the W. I'd have to say that when Kind of saved Brad Childress's job for another week or two. Um, there are reports earlier, I think that same day, that him and Percy Harvin got into it. This, of course, you know, coming after um, earlier in the week where uh, Childress released Moss, and I guess the owner, Ziggy Wolf, was kind of thinking about firing chillers over that decision and bringing Moss back. So just a lot, a week of turmoil basically for the Vikings, but they're able to uh, get that victory against the Cardinals. I guess, what are your guys' thoughts about that game or uh, the situation in Minnesota? Uh, I don't know. I still think Minnesota's a mess. And, um, yeah, they, they, I mean, they got to win. Win's a win. Cardinals probably should have closed it out. But, the, I mean, the Cardinals are on a, on a great team. Um, they were... They're about 25th in the power rankings right now. They're just not, you know, they're, I think Derek, is Derek Anderson back to starting from a quarterback now? I believe they have switched back. I believe, you Derek know, they, they went away from the rookie. Um, I mean, they've got, they've got some great, great wide receivers, but other than that, it's just, you know, they let some, let some key pieces go this year. And I, I don't know. I mean, I think they got a, the Vikings got a win when they had to. Um, and Brett Favre just showed us again why he came back and why he's still 
the man, I suppose. He passed for 456 yards, I think, which is a career high. A career high at the age of 41. I'm, I mean, most quarterbacks that... You know, have career highs like that over 450 yards. They they do it when they're they're young and in their prime at you know like 28 to 35. Not not when they're 41. That's ridiculous. I mean, and we we all love to hate on Brett Favre, but he's still he's still good. Thank you. He's still he's still good. I thought he was I th- I thought he was washed up and done. I thought this was just going to be the year to show him. And then and then he does this and that's it. Okay, I'll eat my words. All right. Still something going on in Minnesota with either Childress has lost control of his team or he's not good, and the players are getting upset with it and, and what's going on. But, I mean, it's easy when you're winning to ignore those things, just let them slide by. But when you're losing, everything's magnified. And it, it's if you're going to have want to let it blow up in your face or have some sort of self-control over it, and they still won the ball game, so there's no reason to fire Childress, I suppose, because he won. But maybe there are those underlying, underlining reasons to fire him. And looking ahead to the Vikings' opponent this week, it's the Chicago Bears. But Bears came out with a close win against the Bills. That game was played in Canada. So, I mean, kind of an interesting game. I got to listen to parts of it on the radio. I mean, I almost feel bad for the Bills. I mean... If I remember correctly, so close. I mean, it's so, so many close. times. I mean, if I remember correctly, they played close against the Ravens. I think they lost that one like 37-34. They lost the Chiefs close. They lost the Bears close. I mean, I feel like they're they've been in a few games this year that the Bills have lost two games this year by more than seven points. That was against the New York Giants and the Carolina Panthers in back-to-back weeks. Other than that, they've been in pretty much every game. Again, I'm down to losing to the Packers 34-7 also. I'm not looking at the Bills. Or I'm, not, I'm looking at the Bears. Oh, so the Bears. Oh, the, the Bears, Bears play good. About the, the, Bears. Bears. the Bears are playing great. I'm sorry. I looked at the Bears. I, I have the Bills. Here we go. Here we go. The Bills played at Baltimore, lost by on a field goal in overtime. It played at Kansas City, lost on a field goal in overtime. And played in London versus Chicago and lost. Toronto. London was the yeah London was the Toronto where they lost on a last minute field goal. Yeah. And bef- you know before that they they lost Jacksonville by ten, New England by eight. Um, they did get stomped by Green Bay, but yeah, I don't know. That but happens. still, <laughs> the, the Bills won't the Bills won't go winless this season. I, they're still playing hard. Um, Next and- game is against Detroit. They have the Vikings on their schedule. Um, I guess you can't count the Browns out for an easy. I mean, I mean, Detroit. Detroit's another team you almost, have, you know, you almost have to feel bad for that. The Calvin Johnson role at the beginning of the year, and then I don't uh, feel bad about that. I, I know, I'm sure you don't. You know, and then there have been some other really close games. They, this game last week against the Jets. Uh, what happened to their kicker, Jason Hansen? I think is his name. Because I saw an anomalous Sue ended up trying to kick a PAT, and it didn't go so hot for the, the defense soccer line. player. And well, what or something? Wes Welker PATs. kicked the PAT for the Patriots also this weekend too, because Goskowski was out. Yeah, did he? I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. I guess Welker's a lefty. If you didn't know, I did yeah. not know that. Oh, but well, that, that game this weekend between the Lions and the Bills, I think. 
will be especially interesting now that there's reports that uh, Matthew Stafford is injured again. This time it might be for the whole year. So I know his yeah, fantasy football three owners, like myself, shoulder are. separation. Um, okay, here's your problem. He's your third string quarterback. You have Mike Vick on your bench and Aaron Rodgers starting. So we have no reason yeah. to complain about fantasy quarterbacks. He's out now. It's, it's, are you kidding me? I I am complaining, but no, we'll get not be ridiculous. We'll, we'll get it onto that later. Finally, the game that everybody's been wanting to talk about, the Kansas City Chiefs versus the revitalized Oakland Raiders. The Raiders came out and ended up winning another close game against the Chiefs. I guess our chief expert can break down the game for us. Ready, well, set, go. Um, the Raiders, they've been playing They've been playing, playing great football lately. Um, I, you know, I was really disappointed kind of the way we started the game. The Chiefs started the game. They... They came out um, and they scored some quick points. Couldn't get that touchdown before halftime. I don't. I, I remember Bo dropped it or something that would have made it a. I think a 17 to. Or it was picked up. I don't remember. It, it would have been a. It would have been a 17 to zero lead, and then they let. Then Oakland comes out and they get that touchdown off the kickoff return by Jacoby Ford, who, I, Oakland has found themselves a gym in. He is he is lightning fast. If you saw him break away on the on the top play, uh, you know on the top ten. If you didn't watch the game, he was forty yards away from everybody. You know by the end of the run, um, and it came down. I mean the Chiefs just couldn't close. They they took it to overtime. Uh, couldn't really. I mean Jacoby Ford. He just, he put that team on his back and uh, makes Jason Campbell look good. I was going to say, Jason Campbell put that team on his back. But not really, because he, he looked just above average. But he, yeah, he did. He, he, he was good look, enough. He didn't look outstanding. He was good enough to get Oakland. That, that, the long pass. Three wins in a row, forward. I believe, he, for Jason Campbell and Oakland Raiders. He, uh, he put that ball up, and Jacoby Ford just outran Brandon Flowers to go catch it. Took, uh, took one away from Flowers. That should have been a pickoff. Jason Campbell threw, I mean, basically right to him. He was in great position. Jacoby Ford took it right out of his hands. It was just, you know, it's not great. But, I don't know. I mean, Chiefs got a very favorable schedule coming up. Denver, Arizona, Seattle, and then Denver again. So, hopefully, we, you know, hopefully they go 3-1 and one during that stretch. And, and then get back to San Diego, who, I don't know, who's looking to turn something around now. They're getting hot. I mean, 4-5. and five. Only a game back. Winners of two in a row. Um, and they got a, they got a game and a half of, back. They got a little bit of a tough stretch, but be interesting to see if Norwich Turner keeps it up. But anyways, we're going to end our football segment on that. Coming up, going to discuss some fantasy football. I know I'm a little frustrated being two and seven in our league, but. I'm sure Nieder is happy that he was able to beat me this week. Uh, stay tuned to the Sports Report right win. here at 94.1 The Dog. Report right here on 941 The Dog. I'm AJ Harrison. With me tonight, Ryan Year, Michael Porterfield, and I have some fantasy football news. Guess who I just added to my team? 
Jacoby Ford. Good job. And considering I'm number one in the waiver wire, shouldn't have any issues getting him. Probably not. Um, he does have I had a bye. Brandon Tate last week, who I thought was going to be the new deep threat out there in New England. Um, he uh, he got one catch for 12 yards for me. Thanks, buddy. That was that was good run. You know, good week out of you. I decided to start you over uh, Des Bryant. That was almost as good as me this week having Jonathan Stewart, who suffered a concussion, I believe, in the first quarter. He was out of the game. And Calvin Johnson, Megatron, mm, only had, Megatron. I think, two points. And He's still the man. He man. is, but still kind of kills me this week, though. It's, it's going to be the first time this year I'm not starting Aaron Rodgers. Partly because he's on bye, going with Mike Vick. I know Niedert's really happy that I've had Vick on my bench this whole time. Haven't used him. LT is the man. Uh, he is. He's got some. He's still got. He's still got some gas left in the tank. Um, Rashad Mendenhall. He had and a Ray Rice. Yes. Ray Rice didn't score me a touchdown. I was really disappointed. I thought. When you look at the when I looked at the initial stats, I was really disappointed. But since we're in a PPR league, AJ, I uh, I managed 28 points out of him. Thank you. Yeah, any time. I mean, at the wedding I was at this weekend, uh, um, it was with a lot of people from one of the other leagues I'm in, and you know we kind of had a conversation about how you know PPR just changes the dynamic of how you draft. I mean, you look at. I take LaShawn McCoy on a regular week. I mean, you know, back in the day, I mean, he kind of filling that uh, role that Westbrook did or filled for years in uh, Philly. And, I mean, he gets a lot of receptions. As you said, Ray Rice gets a lot. AP doesn't get as much as I think, you know, people would expect out of him. Mm, but No, Brett Favre doesn't like to check the ball down. He likes his tight ends, and he likes to uh, just really take shots it. down the field. Yeah, but, I mean... I guess one of the things that in some leagues you can do this, I don't know if you can do it on ESPN, but you can do it so you get PPR for wide receivers. Because I I feel like without PPR for wide receivers, I mean, you know, let's say I'm going to use Heath Miller this past week, the tight end for uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. He would only gotten me two points. With PPR, I think he got me five. I mean, not a huge difference, but still, I mean, I feel like PPR helps make, like, the wideouts and the tight ends, like, a bigger scoring threat. And I guess I like high-scoring games, but that's just me. Yeah, um, makes them a little more viable. I, I know um, in my league back home with my friends, it's not a PPR league. Um, we have three running back or two running backs, one running back wide receiver, and then two wide receiver spots. And I always play three running backs because the running backs they just get more touches and they usually get more yards. Yeah, you had that receiver that busts off a big week, but the chances of a receiver getting you know 130 yards aren't as good as a running back who's getting you know getting 30 touches a game. As I guess you want to gloat about your victory, Ryan? Four in a row. We got four in a row. I think I've lost what five in a row now. It's uh, yes, you have lost five in a row. The streak, the streak was on the line there to keep my winning streak alive and your losing streak alive, (laughs) and it happened. You didn't get get it going. All right. 
good week from the boys from Atlanta. Hmm. I'm, uh, I'm Michael still Turner. On top of the division. Uh, good week from the boys from Green Bay. The Brandon Jackson and Greg Jennings. Need he's sneaking back. Out for them. Greg Jennings. He he's is. Team's he's finally sad. coming together. Still, still might be looking for a running back. He's gonna find another guy out there. Anybody needs a quarterback? Just let me know. Aaron Hernandez. Big pickup there. That's my pickup for the year. That's a pretty good pickup. I'll give you that. But now we're gonna move on to discuss pick six. Just got handed the standings, and here's what they look like. Which shouldn't be a shock. In first place with a record 26, 26 and 14 is myself. I mean, it's my the segment I thought of, right? So. I suppose. Close behind. He's in first place. Close behind in second place with a record of 25 and 15. Ryan Niedert. I would like to add last week. Went six and one. You're, you've had some really good weeks. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I mean, you had a week that I think you went close to being perfect. You've had. Like what? last week? Yes. He's done that twice now. He went five yeah. and one a couple weeks ago. Which, this really plays to his ego. Just yeah. stop it. Which What am I it, sitting at? That's what you're I You're 24 and 16, so right, not I bad. A couple wins out of first place. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so it's, it's pretty close. It's, it's pretty jumbled. And both the people in the first place and second place, their egos are probably boosted by this result. So, anyways, pick six now. First game on the docket, Kansas State at Mizzou. Mr. Porterfield, take your pick. Well, tell us why K-State's going to win. Why do I always have to pick first? I don't understand. Every week, it's Michael first. It's not... You first. You no. Know, tell us why K State's gonna oh, win. Yeah. Okay. I pick this. I pick um, you first because you're a case. If I was first, right. I pick me. Well, before I do that, um, I would like to wish my mother a happy birthday. It was Sunday. Um, I may have forgot a little bit, and I didn't call her really late. But uh, hopefully, she knows I still love her, <laughs> and I miss her. And I'll see her at Thanksgiving. I love you, mom. <laughs> happy birthday. Um, <clears throat> well, K State. They've been playing great football lately. Um, besides, I can't. Oh no, they won can't, against Kansas, but they lost. They lost to Baylor and Oklahoma State at Baylor, and they lost at home to Oklahoma State. Both very good football teams. Um, they put a thrashing on Texas. They're coming off a huge win. Um, Missouri is coming off a large defeat against. I don't know who they played last week. They beat Texas. I know they beat Texas. Wait, who did Missouri play last? Are they on a bye. They must be on a bye because the last game they had is Texas. Was the last game Texas? No, they lost Texas Tech this last week. Who's not a great team who runs a spread offense and can be a good team. Also lost to Nebraska. It's at Mizzou, um, which is where they beat Oklahoma. I don't. I mean, I think Texas is going to come out and they're going to run the ball. Mizzou's got a good defense, but uh, I don't know. I see Daniel Thomas racking up a lot of yards. I'll go with K-State. Um, the, I don't know how Texas factors into this pick, but I will also pick K-State because you said they struggled with the Texas Tech spread. K-State runs that similar style offense. Not correct. So K-State. I am going to go with the Mizzou Tigers just because I'm looking at uh, how they've done. It's Senior Day in Columbia. They've won their last five Senior Day contests. 
including a win in 2008 over K-State. So I go with Tigers on this one. Next one, Penn State at Ohio State. I'm going to pick this one first. I'm going to go Ohio State. Neater, take your pick. Uh, Joe Pye, they got a good comeback win in Penn State, but this will be a good, a good Big Ten rivalry, but it's going to be Ohio State this year. Oh, is this one on me? I can't see you pointing. Um, yeah, I or you'd go be off. the last one to pick. Yeah, I got to go Ohio State. Okay. I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. Next game, Mississippi State at Alabama. Neater, take your pick. Well, Alabama did lose to LSU, frustrating loss. Mississippi State mm-hmm. now has jumped in the rankings at number mm-hmm. 19. But uh, there's some, you know, that Mississippi State's wins haven't come against some of the better teams in the SEC, except for Florida, you could argue. Uh, they haven't played Arkansas yet or Mississippi. I'm going to go with Bama. Um, I don't see Nick Saban losing two in a row. It's at Bama. They're not going to get caught looking ahead because they got Georgia State up next on the uh, on the schedule, so it's going to be Bama. May I go Bama as well? I mean, I don't... As you said, I don't think Nick Saban's going to lose two in a row. Next game, Mr. Neater, the Iowa Hawkeyes at Northwestern. Oh, last year this was just awful, awful, awful for the Hawkeyes. Um, Stanzi gets injured. Saw, I thought There's I was going to saw needy Defensive cry. touchdowns. I was not watching the game. Busy all day. Kept being text, text, text. So if, if there was a way to have it, that would be to do it. Um, you know, just gonna be, it's got to go with the Hawks because I... Indiana can't happen again. Robinson's going to be back. Hawks. Uh, Robinson's going to be back, but it's at Northwestern. Um, I don't know. Those, those Wildcats, they could, they could pull off something special, but I don't. Do it. I'm going Iowa. Oh, come on. This one's tough. Do it. What the heck? Wildcats. Next game. Baltimore at Atlanta Thursday night football. I think that game will be on the NFL Network. Gonna go Baltimore on this one. Porterfield, take your pick. Oh, uh, Baltimore and Atlanta—they're both playing very good football. I wish this game was on a Thursday night. I don't think I'll be able to see it. Um, a very balanced attack on Baltimore's part. Um, I don't know. I. Uh, they they did put a good put a good thrashing on Miami, but almost lost to the Bills. I'm gonna go Atlanta or not Atlanta, the Ravens. Well, my fantasy team consists of a lot of Atlanta Falcons, so I'm gonna cheer for them and my fantasy team. Okay, next game up, Minnesota Vikings at the mm. Chicago Bears. Neater, take your pick. Um, the Bears are finding ways to win football games right now, despite what Jay Cutler does. That defense somehow <laughs> somehow puts it together. Go Bears. I'm going with the gunslinger, the original gunslinger on this one. I'll go Vikings. Oh, boy. Um, well, <clears> hmm. <throat> Bears. And our extra point for the week, two hapless franchise, the Lions at the Bills. Porterfield, take your pick. The Bills. The Bills get it done. Ryan, Ryan, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I can't even say his name, is playing great football. The Bills get it done this week. Roscoe Parrish also very playing very good football for the Bills. The Bills will win this week for the first time. Oh. If I knew Matt Stafford would be starting for the Lions, I'd go with the Lions in a heartbeat. But I don't know what their quarterback situation is, really. I know Sean Hill's hurt. Not really a Drew Stanton fan. 
I'll go with the Bills as well. So that is our pick six for the night. Thank you guys for listening tonight. Next week, uh, we hope to have possibly a women's basketball player on. We'll be looking at the big game next Wednesday, Drake versus Iowa State, and also do a recap of the college football games from the weekend before. So for Ryan Niedert and Michael Porterfield, I'm A.J. Harrison. Have a fantastic Tuesday night.